0: Welcome to the Champion Within Podcast, I'm Jason Agosta and this is a show with inspiring people with fascinating stories. Today I'm joined by Gronya Somerville, an Olympic World Championship and Commonwealth Games badminton player. Gronja is also an exercise scientist, and joining me now is the lovely Gronja Somerville. Hi, Jason. (laughs) Always good to see you, but we never have a chance to chat about all the things that you do and all the things it takes to be uh, a badminton player at your level, which I'm intrigued about because it's one of those sports that's not popular and probably low in numbers, I assume. But, uh, you know, you were the face of the Olympics in the first week of Tokyo. You (laughs) you never knew it until I told you, but. You actually brought badminton into the lounge room
1: and it <laughs> yeah, was so cool. Yeah, so it's definitely a smaller known sport in Australia, but it's a it's a huge, like probably the top most popular sport in Asia. So it's a big, big variation um, across the cultures. But, yeah, trying to do our best to make it bigger in Australia.
0: Yeah, so I I suppose with that, the first thing I think of, if there's limited numbers, it must be hard to have training partners at a similar level or above you to keep progressing.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a big struggle in Australia. Um, Firstly, like partnership options, like I'm a doubles player, women's doubles and mixed doubles. So Yeah. Definitely need like good partners and there's often limited partners who have the same goals and can have the same commitments and that kind of thing. And then with that, yeah, sparring and match play and opponents that can challenge us is definitely tough to find. So a lot of that is kind of done overseas or like kind of during tournaments is when we get that opportunity really.
0: Yeah, so hence all the travel.
1: Yeah, yeah. So a lot of travel this year being an Olympic year, uh, around twenty five tournaments, one week at uh, at each tournament, nearly. Um, yeah. So it's pretty insane right
0: now. Yeah, so that's that's the the intense part you just mentioned is the the intensity physically as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, super dynamic sport. You're pushing as fast as you can to get to the shuttle and then immediately pretty much like redirecting, pushing backwards to recover and cover the court and get ready for the next shuttle coming back. Um, so it's yeah. super violent on the body, lots of injuries in all kinds of areas.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing. When you take your time and and look at it, you, I mean, for me, and I'm sure many others, it wasn't until I really focused on what you were doing. I thought, oh, this is brutal and the hours that you're you do competitively in training, it has to be so taxing, you know, on your body.
1: Yeah, because it's so, like, it's got everything. It's so physical. It's very skill-based, technical. You need to put so many hours in to get to a good level because there's so much technical aspect involved. So, mm-hmm. yeah, lots of hours on court, and it's really kind of the more you can get on court, the the faster you improve.
0: Yeah, I think I might have mentioned to you when we last spoke that on the tennis court we know there's the forces go up to seven to nine times your body weight. And I'm sure it has to approach that on the badminton court. So I understand the injuries. The um the interesting thing watching you is there's an incredible amount of power and speed, but there's also this beautiful finesse. And is that something you sort of have to practice as well? Like that lightness of touch and positioning?
1: Yeah, for sure. That's kind of the beauty of the sport is you're having to move so aggressively and like quickly to a shot to get it as early as possible. Once you're there, your hand kind of has to be almost opposite in that you have to have soft hands, really feel the touch in your fingers kind of slow down the movements in certain positions. Um, so it's yeah, it takes a lot of time to, I guess, you know, get that mind muscle connection that you can have the body moving one way and like the hand and fingers yeah. everything. and another uh, thing.
0: And talking about bringing Badminton into, into the lounge room during the Olympics, I mean, there was always that footage of you uh stepping off the court to grab another racket. I think because you, you obviously broke one, you had to step off mid-point and yeah, grab another yeah. racket. Does that happen often?
1: It actually happens like more often than, you know, the common Australian would think. That's why like Australia was like, oh, my God, this is insane. She's left the court. And in Badminton it kind of like it would happen probably at least <laughs> Once or twice a, a tournament, you know, between all the players and all the matches playing. So yeah. Not uncommon. But yeah, we so me and my partner, we clashed rackets. So we both went for the same shuttle. And then uh his racket like hit mine and mine snapped. So the strings were deformed, meaning like yeah. if I hit it. And it would, could go like kind of any which way, so yeah, it happens that you run off court and change to a good racket while your partner plays singles for a, a little second.
0: <laughs> well, it was highlighted here during you know that time, anyway, which is great. Now, I have to go back to um, why badminton and what fascinates you about it?
1: Yeah, well, I kind of always describe it as um, as tennis being a 2D sport. So I grew up playing tennis and I was pretty good at it, but I didn't. I didn't find it like interesting. I got really bored at training and like, you know, the coaches wanted me to commit more and play more competitively. And I just like had no passion for it. Um, But, but when I got to badminton, like I had the hand eye coordination from tennis, I was able to contact the shuttle straight away and do all that kind of stuff. But, how I say it is that like the 3D element of badminton with all the overhead shots means that there's so much more tactical decision-making to be made because there's so many more options of where you can hit it. When you think of that 3D element going above, like you can hit down, you can hit straight up. Um, yeah. So from every shot, there's so many more choices and options, meaning that like, it's so much more based on where you decide to hit what your opponent's going to do and like setting up the tactics of the play so it's it's to me it's more like you know physical chess and i found that really mm. interesting um it means that there's pretty much never like there's always something you can train always something you can improve on there's just so many things to keep developing that I find it really fun to play, yeah. really fun to train. Um and also, you know, the all the aspects physically, like it's a it's an anaerobic sport and that the rallies are usually quite short, dynamic, but then the whole match can go for up to like two, two and a half hours, I think is the longest, the longest okay. match supported. And then you have all these explosive jumping around. You've got to be flexible mm. to be able to reach the shuttle, to be able to lunge out. Um so yeah, that aspect is like really Fascinating to me as well.
0: Yeah. So the positioning of where you're going to hit, that, as you said, there's so many options. So that is something you obviously have to – That that's the purpose of training so much and being on the court for so long to, I suppose, work out what you're going to do, like you said, in a chess match.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you want to make sure you know you're able to move so that you're in a more advantageous position, and then from there you need to make the right choice because you could you could be the fastest player, but you could just pick the the silliest shot every time, and your opponent could um, you know take advantage of that or your technique could be so bad that it's so easy for your opponent to read that like regardless of the position you're in they can just already see where you're going to hit because your skill's mm. not there. like there's so many elements involved and one of the other things that I love about badminton is that because of that there's no like one body type you see like a lot of other sports kind of one type yeah. of body type can take like it's is- into it yeah, it's like this mould, you know, tennis players typically quite, quite tall um, or like gymnasts, you know, yeah. you know, they're tiny, whereas badminton you have this tiny like little Japanese girl competing against a, you know, massive Indian girl or European and they like can compete so closely with totally opposing different styles, but they each yeah. have you know, their advantages, disadvantages, the tactics, the skill, the technique comes into play. So they're able to like to compete so closely when they're just like okay. just so, so opposing styles.
0: So, what's the biggest difference between, say, yourself and going to the next level or trying to raise your level? What What are the big differences there between you and those players or what you have to do?
1: To start with our limited uh, sparring opportunities, you know, in, in the big countries like China, Indonesia, there's there's 10, 15 of me. So whoever I'm playing against is okay. single level or above. So there's just always pushing a level there. You always can learn something from someone. The, the intensity and the quality is just so much higher all the time, whereas, you know, we we try to get there, but maybe the percentage of time in our training that's at that quality is like a quarter of our tra- our whole training session yeah, might be yeah. at that level okay. because there's, you know, people making mistakes or uh, whatever it might be. Um, so I think that's a big thing. We're obviously limited in resources. I mean, if we could have more funding to get, you know, a coach who's standing next to our court every day telling us, you know, what what's doing what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, that kind yeah. of thing. We had funding to play the right tournaments, uh, to have more training opportunities overseas, to be able to pay for aspiring players to come over here, all that yeah. kind of stuff makes you know can help us get to the next level.
0: So, oh, that, and, and that's easy to understand why you're always on a plane. That's for sure, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So, minus sport here, isn't it, really, relatively to other things, and that will be difficult. So, I also had learnt, and I didn't know this, um, that you'd done an exercise science degree.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I finished high school, and I wanted to go to uni, but I couldn't imagine sitting through three years of anything other than, like, something to do with sport. Yeah. (laughs) so I just kind of picked it as a default, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I ended up doing it over, I think, like six or seven years and only really finished it because of the pandemic because I'd, I'd left all my um, subjects to the end that I had to be in attendance for, like pathophysiology yeah. where we have to go in and, you know, play with the cadavers and that kind of thing. And I, I'd just been travelling so much that I couldn't get that that subject done, but I got it done in in yeah.
0: lockdown. <laughs> that was oh, good. Cool. Do you think uh, having that background, like many of us have some background, either you know, athletically or professionally. But do you think that that background has assisted you and have more understanding about what you need to do from a training perspective?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it definitely like helped me ask more questions in general in my own training, whether that be to like the sports scientists I work with or my strength coach, um, the the coaches I work with. Like I question stuff a lot more, and I I, I get more answers specific to my badminton um, and then, of course, you know, stuff like load management and st- when I'm working with the physios and stuff, just yeah. figuring out how to optimise stuff, what what to, what to I actually need to do and what I can
0: cut back on, all that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's great. It's it's, it's important background, isn't it, just to even touch on it, just a little bit to know what's happening with yourself. And yeah. from a strength and conditioning point of view, I'm assuming after taking, you know, you know note of what you do, The strength and conditioning part of it must be a huge part of your training as far as the strength and power and explosiveness.
1: Yeah. For me, especially like growing up, I had kind of a, a weak, unique body type. Like I was quite pigeon-toed and very weak in my legs. And so growing up, I had heaps of injuries. Like I, I stopped a lot of sports that I was doing at the time because the doc- the sports doctors, like you can't you can't run because your knee, like your patellas are so bad. And there yeah. was disease in my feet and stress reactions and stress fractures all the time. Ankle surgery when I was 16 and stuff like that. So for me, strength like I've always understood the value of strength training because it's like what stopped me, from, like helped me not be as injured, which was really, you know, affecting my development and improving yeah. when I was younger. So, yeah, it's been huge, especially for my body type. I don't think my body was made for badminton at all. Like it kind <laughs> of wasn't in the sense that I have the like athleticism, but the amount of hours and like how rough it is and compared to other body types, like my body's not very good at withstanding the yeah, okay <laughs> I put it through.
0: But it's surprising to hear that because you you appear to be quite strong, like really strong.
1: Yeah. So I've had to like if I wasn't strong, I would just be constantly injured because of the way that I move. Like yeah, you don't see many players that are kind of pigeon toed like me and I look kind of awkward on court. <laughs> like I like, you know, I wasn't naturally playing Badminton from when I was five. I started quite late. So it's all very kind of drilled into me like this is how you do it whereas there's a yeah. lot of people who are very more like a lot more natural and they kind of just figured it out with their body and like themselves figuring out the most optimal way to play whereas me it's kind of very looks like a very a lot of effort <laughs> to get the, <laughs> okay. the outcome that others get a bit more effortlessly
0: yeah and what about equipment i mean is the equipment like is there big differences in the rackets you use like a tennis racket is it similar to that sort of scenario?
1: Um, to me, I don't actually notice like that big of a difference in terms of the equipment. Like we have all the variation, you know, in the, in the weight of the racket, the, like if it's head heavy yeah. or lighter, the string tension, the thickness of the strings, that kind of thing. But I'm personally like not so sensitive to it.
0: And outside of badminton, what goes on? What are you into?
1: Um, so, I started a little side business kind of through lockdown of using my exercise science degree to create um, personalized online strength and conditioning programs for badminton players. So, at the moment- I looked
0: I- at it. It's amazing. Great job. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really I'm trying really, to grow really it, but
1: it's a little bit slow yeah. while I'm traveling so much and yeah. really consistent with it. But um, yeah, trying to do that. I do some- Stuff with, you know, sponsors, social media, trying to earn some income while I'm spending crazy amounts yeah. on travel <laughs> and tournaments.
0: Well, uh, I actually did see that, that um, the entrance fees for you guys and your events is outrageous. I just yeah, saw that yeah. recently.
1: <laughs> yeah, so 200 USD for one tournament and, like, you have to make the semifinals, which is, like, winning for four rounds or something to even make back that money, let alone all the, the flights and accommodation as well. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. And then I'm also doing an international sports management postgraduate certificate um, online. So that's uh, a kind of scholarships uh, university mm. thing through the yeah. Boundary Federation. So, yeah, just still studying a little bit.
0: And we're not that far away from the Olympics when we think about it. So yeah. what, what else is coming up for you?
1: Um, so we have the world champs that I'm got heading off to in Denmark next week. That's the main focus at the moment. And oh. then we're meant to be going to South America for some tournaments after that. Uh, looking forward to a training block. So we should have five weeks around that time. But, yeah, we're just away for eight weeks, which is pretty tough, like kind of back-to-back tournaments. So I haven't had much of a chance to train um, so feeling a bit detrained in a way. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, well, sometimes it's better to go in underdone than overdone, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
0: so next year being Olympic year, I'm assuming you'd be out of the country a fair bit and there's a lot to chase in, through Asia and Europe?
1: Yeah, yeah. So still a lot of tournaments next year. We're playing kind of the smaller ones this year to – get more experience, um, against, you know, get some more matches. Um, and then next year, hopefully we're a level up so we can play some of the bigger tournaments and make it past the first round or two. Uh, yeah, that's the goal.
0: assistance around you, like, is it lots of psychology sessions, lots of coaching sessions talking about, you know, strategies, what else goes on around the court time?
1: Yeah, so we have two coaches. So, like today after training, had a half hour meeting with with them to discuss, you know, what our focuses area uh, focus areas are at training. Yeah, um, a lot of stuff with our like doubles partnerships and working together and optimizing that and figuring out, you know, the dynamic with us. Um, and then, like with that, we ha- we're having our first kind of partnership yeah. sports like uh, session on the weekend because. I have two new partners after the Olympics and, you know, different personalities under pressure, traveling away without a coach for long periods of time. It's, it can get a little, so we're we're, going to be working with a sports psychologist to figure out better ways to communicate and to get the best out of each other and, yeah, make sure that, you know, our goals are aligned and that kind of
0: thing. Yeah, that's a tough one though, isn't it? Like. Obviously, you both have to be parallel with what you're thinking and doing the whole time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's super underestimated how much of like a doubles partnership is just purely like relationship management, like totally yeah. outside of playing on court but just like how you can communicate and organise your, your lives together and handle the stresses of – What when stuff's going bad on court? When stuff's going good on court? Just everything that goes on is—it's so easy for partnerships to implode. And I think, especially the mixed doubles, a guy and a girl, is probably the most sensitive to that. I think, (laughs) like, I think two girls is maybe a bit easier. Maybe we're better communicators. You think there's another
0: level of understanding or something?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I've been talking to some other mixed players, and it's just very easy to to be a struggle in mixed yeah
0: day. yeah it's just a, the communication factor hey yeah <laughs> just leave it on the other side of the white line please yeah <laughs> i've got to ask you this is there any superstitions you have
1: no i don't really have superstitions i like to kind of feel like it's all more within my control in a way i don't like
0: to yeah you're straight you're so straight down the line hey
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: yeah pity the partner That partner better raise his or her game, eh? (laughs) hey? Thank you for your time. I have learnt so much about you and your sport over a short period of time. And uh, once again, you did bring badminton into the lounge room and it was so cool for all of us to see and it just appeared to be so much fun as, as well as the explosive dynamic aspect of it and, yeah, I loved it. So thank you and it's always a pleasure catching up with you and I really appreciate time coming on The Champion with me. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Jason. Happy to be here.
0: You can follow Gronya at Gronya Somerville and people like Gronya who represent Australia need all the support they can get from us. Details for Gronya will be on the show notes. You can also follow this show at the underscore champion within and subscribe and support the show by the link on the show page and thanks to Susie for subscribing and for her support much appreciated I'll be with you next week and thanks for listening